join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Thank you. Quite <laughs> a show of hands. Um, how many folks have been to an Easter service before? It's not a not a setup. It's not a trick. Not a trick question. How about? People who have been to like five. I know there's some are like, oh, please get up to like 40, uh, 10, <laughs> 15. We got a lot of experience in the room. A lot of people who have been to a lot of services. And again, not a setup, no wrong answer here. What are your favorite things about Easter? Jelly beans, yes. <laughs> Yes, I sometimes think of Easter as the day of candy and sticker gardens, where we hunt and find. What else? Music. music, of course, music. Music tells our story, doesn't it? And music also makes bold acclamations and it brings beauty into our space. These are our victory songs for folks who claim to be Christians. What else? New life, New life. amen. I, it was one of the famous theologians, I'm not sure which one, that says the promise of resurrection is written in every leaf in springtime. What else? Family, family. yes, family, this is our tribe, right? Gather around a table, you try not to fight for a day. You share a meal. I'm sort of getting ahead of myself. For me, I think of, I think of special foods also, right? This is the one morning a year we get to have coconut cake and pineapple. That's <laughs> breakfast. That's breakfast, what else? New outfits, New outfits. oh, cue the picture, Karina. Oh no, friends, you are missing out on a picture of me in 1967, <laughs> wearing an Easter bonnet, a little yellow coat. You can't see the little ruffled ankle socks with the patent leather shoes. Adorable, right? But the most, most impressive piece, why I really wanted you to see it, is because my hand is doing this. And my wife is raising her phone saying, I have the picture, you'll have to see her after. <laughs> but yes, special outfits and hats. Because our outfits say this day is different. And it is, it is different. Easter is sweet and bright and bold and it's beautiful. These are great things, and these are fun things. 
And our Easter story this morning also reminds us that Easter begins while it's still dark. And with the salty tears of weeping, and in the emotions of suspicion and panic, like, where's Amelia? She was just right here. (laughs) For Mary and the disciples, and also for us, the gift of Easter seems to unfold. It's not something we understand right away. Even our lilies this year, have you noticed our flowers? Those with allergies, you're in good luck. Our lilies this year are on point. There's a That's my mom, my dad, and my brother, Eli. Um. So there's a not-quite-there-yet aspect to Easter, and I think that's an invitation for us to take a closer look. And remember the backstory. The backstory of Easter is betrayal. It's false accusations. It's arrest and public ridicule and mockery. And finally, public execution. It's a horrendous backstory. It's all the ways that an empire tried to use economic resources and organized violence to shape the world in its own interest. Who Jesus was and what he represented was the passion and the power of God's kingdom, shaping the world in the interest of all, not just some. The kingdom of God is foundationally and fundamentally nonviolent, All resources, human and material, are invested in the truth that we are all beloved and none are superior. And those with more than enough have greater responsibility to engage in this work. And it is work. The crucifixion shows the backstory shows just how determined the forces against God's kingdom are. The life and teachings of Jesus is what God raised up and said yes to in the resurrection. This is the way. This is what it means to be fully alive, even in death. Easter demonstrates that regardless of the circumstances, God's way is unmatched and undefeated. This proclamation can be a little disorienting and confusing. Easter begins while it was still dark with a visit to a graveside. 
seeing the stone rolled away, quickly turns to, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong. The quick brain kicks in, something's happened. Panic and suspicion. Where have they taken him? Who's they? In panic, we create an enemy that we don't even know is real. I don't think Mary had on a Fitbit that morning, but she was running back and forth. She made a lot of trips to the grave, and sometimes we have to, don't we? We have to keep returning to a place we may not want to go and to a place we may not understand. Others joined with her. She ran to get reinforcement. Something's wrong. Come. And they did. They ran. They went in to the tomb, saw the grave clothes, and then they went back home. But Mary stayed. And I think this is important. Because rather than running away in panic or even running away with joyful news, stay for a moment. In her staying, she was weeping, and in her weeping, she looked in. And what was in the tomb? Angels. Angels. God meets us in those hard places, in those deep places of pain and panic, in those moments of weeping. And we don't always recognize God, do we? Maybe we would recognize an angel, I don't know. It's not a lighting effect. And Jesus, thinking Jesus was the gardener, Was there dirt under his nails or something? More importantly, it was in the garden, isn't it? The place of new life. The one who tends to new life. Easter calls into question our allegiances and our commitments and our willingness to trust in something we may not completely understand. Easter exposes our worldview and the degree to which we are consciously or not co-opted and complicit in the ways of an empire that executed Jesus and continues to destroy whatever doesn't serve its purpose. Now that's hard news, that we would somehow be co-opted and complicit, and yet we must admit that we are. The message of Easter asks that we put down untamed ego. It asks that we put down unexamined certainty. It asks that we put down shame and unwarranted fear. It asks that we put down quick judgments. Let them go. And let God in. Let God lead to what is true and beautiful and fair. Let God lead to what is honorable and just 
and liberating. Like our lilies, there's more life and beauty to come. Do you believe that those lilies, the blossoms will open? Do you trust that? I wasn't so sure a couple days ago. (laughs) Turns out, uh, no, not yet. Not my timing, not your timing. God's the gardener. Rachel Held Evans says it a different way. She says, It's just death and resurrection over and over again, day after day, as God reaches down into our deepest graves and with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, rests us from our pride, our apathy, our fear, our prejudice, our anger, our hurt, and our despair. Most days I don't know which is harder for me to believe, that God reanimated a man three days dead, or that God can bring back to life all the beautiful things we have killed. You don't have to necessarily believe it, but you have to trust it. You're asked to trust it and to walk as if it were true and to act and live as if it were true. Because there's no neutral here. You're either living and acting as if it were true or you're not. Let God in. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. He was aware of how he had been changed. Are you? Have you been changed? Friends, May the resurrected Christ live within you, and may God